Okay. Actually, I'm going to start where our study is, really. Ephesians chapter 6, where we're... This is kind of like an introduction to our... As we're going to go, go through the armor of God as we move through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 6.10 Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, or literally in the heavenlies. Now from that we <clears throat> we went on and we're going to go ahead and... Um, Look at Satan and his demons. Uh, you could actually, sub, in, in, the, in the context of uh, Ephesians, you could almost subtitle this thing, Know Your Enemy, okay? This is our enemy. So this is the beginning of it, and then we're going to, as we go through the, this armor chapter, we will then see how we defend against this enemy. And when we get into there, we'll see some offensive and defensive things to do. But, Today we're going to look at again a cheery topic, Satan and his demons. It may it may take us two weeks. We'll just have to wait and see, because I want to go through it slow enough that we you don't go through this study often, and for good reason, you know. But uh, anyway, we'll start with some definitions. The word Satan itself, Satan is of Hebrew or origin, Satan, from the from a primitive root meaning to attack. The name carries the general meaning of an adversary or an enemy. Fitting. Other names, and we'll look at some of these verses, but not all of them. Well, the word devil, we saw that. Devil, diablos, meaning false accuser, slanderer. Uh, we'll look at John 8 in a minute. but uh, And then Beelzebul or Beelzebub. Now that word is from Chaldean origin, referring to the Lord of the Flies or the Dung God. Okay, that's, yeah, let's look at that one, Matthew 12. <clears throat> Matthew twelve twenty four says this, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man, speaking of Christ, casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. And then this, this of course, led into the whole discussion, and it moves into the by them making that claim, that statement, is what is described as the unpardonable sin. Okay? The unpardonable sin. And what that basically is, is where somebody ascribes the works of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit as being worked through the power of Satan. That is the unpardonable sin. Okay? It's the ultimate form of blasphemy um, <clears throat> you've, you've just blasphemed two members of the Trinity for one <laughs> but uh, it, it goes as far as a person can go in terms of unbelief and, um, and that is the only unforgivable that's it, unbelief unbelief it's, it's the most complete expression of unbelief that you can make, one, that one could make okay then another turn, the number three there, Belial, is from the Hebrew, meaning worthless, corrupt, or wicked. 
And then 2 Corinthians 6, we won't go there, but 2 Corinthians 6 is, you know, what place does, you know, we, God have with Belial or Christians with followers of Belial? 2 Corinthians 6.15. He's also called the evil one or the enemy. We don't need to look there. This one we do want to look at. We want to look at this one. A murderer, a liar, and the father of lies. Look at John 8. John 8. Again, this is a, a passage and as... So often in, this, in the Gospels, when, when Jesus is discussing something, he, over and over again, you just see head-to-head confrontation with the uh, religious leaders of the day. And so, speaking to them, he, Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That is Jesus' rendition of Satan. Okay? And he's applying that to the scribes and Pharisees who were constantly antagonizing and going after him. The same ones that committed the unpardonable sin, quite frankly. It says, you're of your father the devil. Again, you look at that, he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. I put in parentheses there, which we're probably we're going to look at later on in this lesson. But that is the record of his deception with Eve at the fall, where he lied to Eve, deceived Eve, uh, and as a result, he called a murderer from the beginning. And who did he murder back there in the Garden of Eden? The mankind, the human race. When Adam fell, when Eve fell, they took, being the entire human race at that point in time, the human race fell. And therefore, all their descendants are of a fallen nature. Okay? And then um, <clears throat> we've, we're very familiar with these next couple of terms. He's called the God of this world, the ruler of this world. We've already seen in Ephesians the prince and power of the air. Uh, the tempter. Let's look at the tempter. Um, well, Matthew 4.3, Matthew 4.3, that he's called the tempter because who's he tempting there? Jesus. I'll tell you, the guy, the guy was gutsy. I mean, it's Satan. I'll tell you, you talk about nervy, huh? I mean, I mean, if you'll go after Jesus, you'll go after anybody because you're going to... Uh, of course, this was, remember, this was... He went after the God-man, thinking, well, let's f- test, see if, you know, Jesus be in, in human form. Let's just test. So he, he'll, if he'll test Jesus, you think he'll come after any one of us? Of course he will. Mark 4, 3, And the tempter came and said to him, You are the... If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know, you, you read through this whole thing, and his method of tempting Jesus was the exact same approach he did with Eve. He approached Jesus after, what, 40 days of fasting in a human weakened condition, and 
The first thing he says, hey, turn these stones into bread. You know, come on, you're hungry, eat. And then he goes on and uh, uh, what's the next one? If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's almost like folks today with, anyway. And he took him on a very high mountain and showed him the king. says, I'll give all this to you. Remember, the prince and power of the air could do it. You know, what do you want to go through all this for? Take, take the whole thing. Feed yourself. Take the whole thing now. Well, you know what? The temptation was there. Jesus knew from the beginning what, what, why he came to this earth. That's one of the very reasons he's called the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He knew what was coming, and he knew the effects of sin. I just remember in the service the, uh, when they give you, did the bayonet practice, somebody comes out, you know, the right parry, left parry, you know, <laughs> deflect the other guy's bayonet. If you don't, it's going to turn into a bad day. But anyway, but that's the script. Satan said, you know, hey, you're the son of man. Turn these stones into bread. And what Jesus reply? Man doesn't live by bread alone. Scripture, boom, right back to Scripture, boom. And we're going to see, and that's why this is, I think, a good lead-up to the armor of God, because you're going to see Scripture play a big role <clears throat> in our defense. That's part of the, the Word of God is a f- huge factor in the armor of God. Matter of fact, it's, it's portrayed in there as both an offensive and defensive weapon, the Word of God, truth. Okay? So, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, you were saying that uh, his tactics haven't changed because uh, he twists Scripture uh, to attack uh, the, the Word of Scripture, really. He is the word, but same thing that uh, Eve was tempted. He twisted that scripture too. Yeah, in 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 many ways he's a in many ways he's actually a more formidable enemy today, because as time goes on, he's got not just his demons, but he's got, and we're going to see as we move through, he's got human beings, false teachers working in his camp as well, and um, they're equally as deceptive. Believe me. They're empowered by him. It stands to reason. Not greater is he that's in the world. Not greater is he. No, greater is he. And then in, uh, he's also called the adversary. First Peter 5, remember you're warning your adversaries, roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's going to be, we're going to, we won't turn there now. We will be there later. Uh, the dragon, the old and serpent of old, the serpent of old, that ties him right back into the garden. That's why we know for a fact that was Satan, not just that snake. <laughs> but he's the proverb. Satan is that proverbial snake in the grass, if you will. Um, <clears throat> and then he's the angel. Let's turn to Revelation, Revelation 9, because another term he's called is the angel of the abyss. Abaddon and Apollyon. And when we see the world as this age anyway coming as it starts rolling to an end, Satan's uh, going to be still at work. Matter of fact, we may look at, we'll probably look at this part of him later on because it looks pretty sure now as we've been talking to folks that we're, after Ephesians, we're probably going to go into a a series on just like an overview of prophecy, you know, from this, a flow of it anyway. 
Revelation 9.11 says, Well, here's some demons that come up out of a, a pit. And they had, I'll pick it up in verse 10. They have tails like scorpions and, and stings in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. This is one of the judgments, one of the trumpet judgments. They have a king over them, the angel of the abyss. His name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek, his name has the name Apollyon, and both of them mean destroyer, the destroyer, one who destroys. And um, and we move on demons. Another term that we move right down now from Satan himself to demons, which are the fallen angels that went with him when he fell. When we <clears throat> kind of saw that a little bit. Uh, Last time, we'll look at it again this time. But demons now, is, in the Hebrew, is Shadeh refers to, a, to false deities and gods of lesser power, such as Leviticus 17.7. And in the Greek, daimon, or daimonion, has its, or, has its origin also referring to a variety of deities, pagan gods, etc. And also in the New Testament, demon refers to those fallen angels that... that Way back when, sometime uh, somewhere between chapter 2 and 3 of Genesis fell. Okay, we're, we don't know exactly, you know, we're not given that. Evidently, it's not necessary. The term is applied to that in writings as well, yeah. <clears throat> as a matter of the it, false deities and the false religious systems that go with them, what, does, uh, what did Paul... Writing to Timothy, uh, false doctrines are called doctrines of what? Demons. Doctrines of demons. So there's truth, and then there's doctrines of demons. <laughs> I mean, those are the two choices. Those are the two choices. And then there's a variety of other names for demons and spirits. Again, this this, this group before here, I'm not even going to... You can look them up on your own if you'd like. Matter of fact... Um, Spirits, evil spirits, unclean spirits. Matter of fact, uh, they'll be part of uh, Will's message today. He's in Mark 1. He's in that t- this morning. So let's see what he thinks about it. Right? Ru- and then there's rulers, powers, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness. That are, I mean, we'll pick it up again a little bit in Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. So it's one of the reasons I want to deal with these guys now, because I don't want to camp on them. Again, I want to major. When we get into the armor of God, I want to major in the armor. You know, we'll deal with the enemy now, and then we'll, we'll major on the armor and the things we use to defeat the enemy. Okay? Now, Satan's fall. Satan's fall was due to pride, and we're going to look up uh, all of these. This Again, in, in Ezekiel 28, let's look at Ezekiel 28. This is why I said it might take us two weeks. We'll see how far we get. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. If you hit Daniel, back up. Now, as I read through this, you'll see Satan is compared to the king of Tyre. And also wedged in there in verses 12 to 15, Satan is also described a bit before the fall. So let's let's look at uh, Ezekiel twenty eight eleven to seventeen. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Son of man, 
Take up lamentation over the take up lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in and see now see where it jumps a little bit here? You were in Eden, the the garden of God. The king of Tyre and no. See what often happens, and this is one thing, when you get in these prophetic passages, um, a lot of the prophecies you might be reading in say, Ezekiel, Daniel, a lot, a lot of Isaiah. They'll be talking about a present event, okay? And from that present event, prophecy, kind of like those, remember the old-fashioned telescopes that kind of opened up? Kind of opens up like a telescope and looks beyond. This one opens up and looks back, okay? This one's looking back to Eden, the Garden of Eden, which <clears throat> is no longer there, right? You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the uh, <clears throat> lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the, and the god of the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you on the day that you were created. Okay? You were back there. You were in Eden. And all this stuff, the, the beauty of all these gems... Please don't ask me to define each and every one of them. I didn't go that far. Defines you. You had that beauty from the day you were created. It's a magnificent being. Satan was was a magnificent being. You were the the anointed cherub who covers, and and I placed you there. You You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until righteous un, until unrighteousness was found in you by the abundance of your trade you were internally filled with violence and you and you sinned therefore i cast you as a profane from the mountain of god and i have destroyed you o, co- o covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your, your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before the kings that they might, that they might see you. Interesting passage. And the whole point is it's actually it's describing Satan and comparing the king of Tyre to him, really, when you, you flip it around. We're getting a vision, or a, vision a, a visual of Satan, a verbal visual, if you will, a description. And again, you put all there. Satan prior to the fall was a magnificent being, the most beautiful of all the angelic world. And went to his head. Basically went to his head. Instead of giving using his beauty to glorify God, he turned it inward and glorified himself. Okay? And that dog won't hunt in heaven. Okay? That's not gonna that's not gonna fly. I don't care how many wings he had, that's not gonna fly. That's not gonna go. And uh you're out. So he got he got in 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 essence he got dethroned from his position as the chief of the angels. Or 
no. This is, it's talking about this whole chapter 28 is discussing, um, is a description of the fact that the kingdom of Tyre is about to fall. Now, you know where Tyre and Sidon, just north of uh, Israel, in today's Lebanon? Okay, Tyre along the coast. And Tyre's been there for ages. You know, that, that hope, I, and so he's describing the fall that's coming. And Tyre, the king of Tyre, he got a little heady too because he felt very powerful, very uh, secure in his own power, like many kings do and have in the past and will in the future. And like all of them, you know, they, that the Proverbs holds true today then as it does today. You know, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. He got puffed up, and boom, he's coming down. And the king of Tyre was actually compared to Satan. And in the process of doing that, Ezekiel was given, was through God, through Ezekiel, gave us a description of what Satan was like and what caused his downfall. It was, in fact, pride. Pride. The first sin, pride. Right there. Satan committed it. It got to Eve and, and, and Adam as well. You know, you'll be like God. Oh, well, that sounds cool. I can be like God. Just eat, the, you know. So it's a pride. It's a big one. Pride goes before destruction. And it always does. And also in Isaiah, Satan is compared to the king of Babylon. Let's look at Isaiah fourteen twelve. Isaiah fourteen twelve to fifteen. Again, speaking about the um, the future of Babylon. Again, it it kind of comes off of that and moves out and describes Satan again. Verse twelve: How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? Okay, again, another term for Satan as he was, you have been cut down to the earth. You have, you have weakened the nations. Boy, does he ever. But you said in your heart, get in, here it is. See, here's that pride again. Verse 13, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the, on the mount of the, of the assembly in the recess of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And God says, no, you won't either. Verse 15, nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. Okay. And you're going down. And again, I will... To be, It's interesting that a being so magnificent and obviously intelligent, but yet thought that he could rise up above God? The angels, again, see the angels are in the, in the opposite position that we are as humans are in. The angels started off saved, if you will. We'll use that term, saved. Hang on. <laughs> they were saved. Cease. Okay, they, were, they were saved. 
And then one day back there, sometime again, sometime between the creation, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and the fall, Genesis 3, somewhere in that period of time, we don't know how much time that was, days, months, years, we don't know, Satan fell. And we know from Scripture, he took a third of the angels fell with him. That, that sealed their fate for eternity. Boom. Into discussion for salvation of angels. Those that did not go with Satan, they are what's called, and we've seen that last time, the, as they're, they're described as being the elect angels. Okay? They are elect. And then the other ones obviously are, are not, and they fell, and they're going to remain in that condition. We, however, as humans, we are, remember uh, uh, Psalm 51, we are born in sin, and then um, we have the, mankind has the opportunity to believe in the gospel, believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, and be saved. So it's just the opposite condition. We are all born unsaved, and can one day be saved, and the demons, theirs was just the opposite. They were all part of God's kingdom, and a third fell. So that's, that's what I mean by the, just the opposite condition. Everybody get that? That's pretty simple. Okay. And then again, uh, Satan's uh, fall took place sometime. We've already talked about that. Sometime between the creation and the temptation of Eve. And right there, Revelation 12, let's look there. See the verse we've been talking about, Revelation 12, 3 and 4, about the uh, when Satan fell, one-third of the angels fell with him. Again, here we are. This is a this is a portion where we're in the tribulation period. And this chapter 12 is one of those, uh, is a chapter 12 and 13, actually, that describes some of the, if you will, the cast of characters that are involved in the tribulation period. And the... Uh, the first one mentioned is the red dragon, who is Satan. It says, Another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Well, in that somewhat disgusting scene, the woman here in this is Israel. And the child would be the Messiah. He, of course, failed. But the dragon, the point we're looking at today, and we might see this in weeks to come, the red dragon, again, his tail swept away a third of the stars. Again, a term for the angelic beings, and they fell with him. They, they decided to follow Satan. A move I would assume that they all regret. There are some folks, I used to have a book on that, called The Gospel in the Stars. Yeah, <laughs> I put the iffy, capital I, iffy on that. Um, I know the constellations have been around 
for years. I mean, they're mentioned in Job, for example, and Isaiah, I think, mentions the, the constellations. But we've got to be careful between astronomy and astrology, <laughs> okay? Astronomy is a true science. You can follow the stars, and matter of fact, the stars, as uh, Romans 1, 18, 19, 20 would indicate, they speak of a creator. I mean, they give t- total evidence of a creator. Psalm 19. Psalm 19 as well. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, you can, it's God's handiwork. You look at it. With, if, if you have a, um, a Christian worldview, you'll see it that way. You know, but what happens, like everything else, it gets perverted. And then astrology kicks in and says, well, when this thing moves here and that thing moves there, you know, and the sign of this and the, I don't even know this stuff, but, you know, the, I remember growing up, this is the age of Aquarius, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) even, even then it wasn't my cup of tea, okay? You know, I mean, (laughs) just like. You know, okay, the seven diadem, a diadem is a crown of a king, and that would, that speaks of seven-fold uh, power authority. Okay, let's, on page two, we may be bringing these back again next week, because we've got, we've got like five minutes left, so we can at least... Okay, demonic activities against the gospel. <clears throat> and they are numerous. Well, let's start with the, uh, <clears throat> the parable of the sower, and the, the sower and the soils. Sometimes called the sower and the seeds, but it's actually the soils. Look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13. We're probably going to just end here today. But especially in Matthew, there's many, many, a lot of parables. And, and Matthew's, his gospel really points to, the, I mean, what the big theme of his gospel is Jesus Christ, the promised king of the Jews, the, the Messiah king. You know, Mark would be like the Messiah servant. Um, Luke, the Messiah superhuman being, <laughs> you know. And then John, he's the Messiah the Son of God, the very God, the God in human flesh. They all teach all of those things, but then different Gospels major on different aspects of it. Okay. Matthew 13, 4. Let's pick it up in verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds, and sowed, and some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came came and ate them up. And then you just keep going through here, and you finally get down to verse 19, where this parable is explained. He goes, here the, verse 18 says, Hear the parable of the sower. When, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, as in, you, know, don't, you don't get it, you don't comprehend it, the evil one, guess who that is, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. And then you read that parable, and it gives you all these other conditions. You know, uh, <clears throat> you got the stony ground, you got the, the, the shallow ground and all that, and different 
reasons why people reject the gospel. Then you have those, the good ground, the uh, seeds take root and they sprout and they bear fruit. Also in, um, <clears throat> and in the wheat and the tares is the same thing. We're in Matthew, Matthew 13, 36 to 43. <clears throat> this is the explanation of the he gave he gave these couple of parables and then moves then a little later on in the conversation explains them so we'll pick this we'll pick this up 36 through 43 and we'll end with this today and he left the multitude and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying explain to us the parable of the tares which is another word for weeds okay of the field and he said to the, and he said he answered and said, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Christ himself. The field is the world. And as far as the good seed, there are, there are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burnt with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. In the place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And we still live in this situation. This situation has not ceased. Okay. There are, in this world, the wheats and the tares. We all grow up together. And when the final judgment comes, we'll all be separated. Well, And Jesus spoke another instructive parable. He says it's easier for a, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And he wasn't talking about some needle gate. <laughs> I mean, there was like, oh yeah, on this, on the uh, you know east east wall there of the temple. No, there was no needle gate. <laughs> it is literally a sewing needle. Okay, <laughs> I mean, making the point perfectly clear. It's you know somebody <clears throat> rich folk often get like that because it's like a. There's one guy I used to watch this this show where it talks about stock trading. Okay. And he said, one of the one of the flags if you don't where you don't want to buy a certain stock if all of a sudden a CEO in his in, in his forties fifties even early sixties pops up and says, well I'm just going to resign because I want to spend more time with my family. He says, watch out, there's something wrong with that company. To become a CEO, most of those men and this is his reasoning and this is a, a, a heathen guy, and and most and his reasoning was, hey, most of these guys have long shine their family on to get to that point. They've dedicated their lives to becoming, to, to climbing that corporate ladder to be, even be considered CEO. So if all of a sudden you have one saying, well, I'm going to go spend time with family, look out, because that's a, that's a classic excuse that this thing's about ready to fall down around my ears. I think I'll retire and head on home, you know. Um, so he said, that's a, that's, a, that's a red flag if you're, uh, in, if you're an investor. So, and this is the same idea here. You know, that people that become super wealthy, they've committed their lives to being wealthy. 
Like I'm, I see him, a lot of them. You see him talk and stuff on TV where these guys are. I don't. know, You ever watch that show Shark Tank? Anybody ever watch Shark Tank? You got multi-millionaires. Some of them are even billionaires, and they're still out there wanting to invest and wanting to invest. Man, if I had that kind of money, I'm, I'm sitting here going, "Why? <laughs> There's so much else to do, you know." But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Their ministries to themselves. Yeah, I mean, start doing some good. Anyway, it's easy to get off track, but uh, we I think we got the point. So we'll pick it up right here. I may bring a few more with me next week. But but seriously, bring these back and we'll, because there's a lot of stuff in here that we'll be, be walking through pretty slow on this, especially when we get down to our friends, the Nephilim, next week. Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And we thank you, Lord, for the uh, word you've given us. And yes, Lord, we know that Satan, <clears throat> Satan exists, but we as your people have no fear of him, for you, have def- you defeated Satan on the cross and won victory for us. And again, Lord, we thank you for that so much. In Jesus' name, amen.